Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. We love our pets, but when the floor is covered in fur, that's harder to love. Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has powerful 8,000 PA suction to make hair vanish from floors in just one pass. Plus, the roller brush has automatic detangling for easy hands-free maintenance. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Why is no one talking about bulimia nervosa? We hear so much about binge eating, overeating, undereating, but bulimia always just remains that secretive disorder. And today I'm going to talk about it. Welcome to the What's Eating You podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie, and I'm a psychologist, published author, and public speaker here to educate and validate. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to another week on the What Is Eating You podcast. I hope you've had a lovely week and you're excited for the weekend ahead. It's definitely been a nice big week for me. I enjoyed some great time over the weekend, got some things done. And my highlight of the week, if I'm allowed to share, is stretching. Stretching. I've been engaging in stretching with my partner. So I've always loved stretching. I've always kind of done it after a workout and I used to actually teach stretch classes. So for those who don't know, I used to have a fitness studio. It was actually pole dancing for women's fitness because I loved empowering women about health and fitness and just feeling good in your body. This was many, many moons ago. So if you want to hear more about it, I write about it in my book, Food Jail, Overcoming Binge Eating. And if you want that book, use the code MINDFOOD20 in the checkout. Now, you can also get the book for free on Audible through an Audible trial. There's a little sneaky hack. Why am I telling this story? Because this episode is about bulimia. Before I even get there, my highlight of the week is stretching. I used to teach stretch classes and my partner has a stretch coach and he's been stretching for some time now. And I used to think it was this massive waste of time. When I wanted to go to the gym, I wanted to get my workout get it over and done with, be out, be in. And I've just noticed I try to rush everything. I don't know if this is a Melbourne thing. I don't know if this is a eating disorder history thing. I don't know if this is just a productivity thing. But does anyone else feel they try to rush everything or you've got to be somewhere? Even this podcast today, I was preparing for it. I was writing things down and I think, oh my gosh, I haven't recorded it yet. And I say, Steph, you've got nowhere to be. You've allocated two hours. Like this time is allocated for this activity. And the same goes with the stretching. Now I love it. I love the stretching. It feels so good and we're progressing with it. So we do about half an hour every day or about six days a week. We have a rest day and it feels so good. My mobility has improved. My flexibility has improved and just easing into your workout with stretching feels so nice. So that's my little highlight of the week is getting into stretching. I wonder what yours has been. I definitely noticed a dip in my 
energy today at the gym. It is day three of being on my period. Sorry, TMI. But I'm not one who overanalyzes the menstrual cycle or the month. And I think it's good if you are impacted by your menstrual cycle and it does impact your moods. I definitely think tracking it and just having a heads up. But for me, I'm just mindful that I don't use it to my advantage if I'm not really feeling it. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to think like, oh, I'm not going to have any energy today unless I feel that way. So today I went in felt good. I did feel a, I didn't feel tired, but as I started to work out, I felt a lot physically weaker. I wasn't mentally tired, but just my weights and what I was pushing today was not okay, and I was okay with it, and I just said, "Do you know what? Fair enough, it's true. It's true when you are in that phase of your menstrual cycle, the menstruating part, you are not going to be as strong for many women, but this isn't everyone. I don't speak on behalf of everyone, but I guess If I didn't know what was going on and if I didn't have so much insight and awareness into my body and into my mental health, I would have been like, what's wrong with me? I'm so weak. Why am I pushing myself? Whereas today I'm like, you go girl, you made it here today. You're trying. Who cares if you're lifting tiny weights? It doesn't matter. What matters is you're here and you're being consistent and progress over perfection. Trigger warning. Today, I'm going to be talking about bulimia nervosa and eating disorders in general. So just take care when you listen to this episode as it can be triggering. I wanted to talk about bulimia because I do an episode every now and then as it sort of gets left in the dark. It's something that I struggled with and I never spoke about it. I was always open about speaking about the binge eating and overcompensating and going for walks and exercising excessively and restricting your eating. But when we talk about bulimia, there is self-induced vomiting for many people. So this is where you make yourself sick, you make yourself vomit. And many people won't disclose this or many people will seek help for binge eating. But the bulimia part of it, the purging part of it, they often don't admit that or don't want to admit that. And I'm going to talk about why. So I want to be more open about this. I think there's so many binge eating coaches out there and people who talk about binge eating because it's almost more socially acceptable than saying that you purge and bring up your food. And there's a reason for this, which I will go into. Right. So the interesting thing is bulimia nervosa, we're going to talk about what it is, then I'm going to break down why there is stigma. And the final thing is I'm going to speak about strategies to overcome it. And these work if you do the work. Of course, this is not a substitute for professional help. Always seek your own medical professional advice. What is bulimia nervosa? It is an eating disorder characterized by recurrent episodes of binge eating, which means eating a large amount of food in a short period of time with a feeling of loss of control. Now, the person then engages in what's called compensatory behaviors to prevent weight gain, such as self-induced vomiting, laxative use, or excessive exercise. So they do this because they're scared that they're going to gain weight. Some people purge because they feel it's a relief. Some people purge for different reasons, calms them down, etc. But the main reason in bulimia is to get rid of the food, get rid of the discomfort, and prevent weight gain. Bulimia nervosa is actually the second most common eating disorder. Now, I believe it probably is more common, but people don't report it. 
I think binge eating disorder gets reported more than bulimia because there's a lot of secrecy behind it. Bulimia has a slightly later age of onset, so it typically begins in late adolescence to early adulthood. I think that it can begin earlier. I remember as young as 15 was when I started to engage in it. I just think that people don't seek help till later. So the statistics on the onset, I think might be skewed because people often present with eight or more years of disturbed eating before they get help. Let that sink in. People present with eight or more years of disturbed eating before they get help. If this is you, don't delay it any longer because it does not get better. And what is even more concerning is even after five to 10 years after presenting, so saying, hey, I have this or getting help, between one third or half of people still have an eating disorder of clinical severity. What does this tell us? That they are challenging to treat, but they are very easy to treat when people are willing to do the work, right? The biggest struggle I think is getting started is actually booking that appointment, is meeting your therapist. And once you do it, you think, oh my gosh, why didn't I do this sooner? So if this is you, stop waiting and get help. The other thing that prevents people getting help is, oh, it's so expensive, right? Which blows my mind. I get it. People have financial challenges, but think of the cost of having this eating disorder. Think of the cost on your family, on your teeth, on your mental health, on your ability to concentrate, on your work situation. Financially, the cost of binge eating is very expensive. I know people in heaps amount of debt. And now with afterpay and all that, it makes it even worse. So see treatment as an investment, not a cost and something you need and want to do once. Because if it gets to that point, going back can be really, really tough. So this is your reminder. If this is you, get the help. It doesn't get better. Listening to podcasts is a great start, but it's not enough. You need structure, you need implementation, and you need accountability to successfully overcome an eating disorder. In Australia, the prevalence of bulimia is also a significant concern. According to the Butterfly Foundation, approximately one million Australians are currently living with an eating disorder and it's estimated that 25% of those, so one in four, have bulimia or a quarter of those Australians. So we need to break the stigma, we need to understand it and we need to get that support. Why is bulimia nervosa so stigmatised? If I talk about personal experience, I was extremely embarrassed I thought it was disgusting, I thought it was dirty, I thought it was messy. And what's so interesting is the people with bulimia nervosa often present as the most perfectionistic on the outside. The way they look, the way they carry themselves, the way they present, you would never suspect that these people are face down in a toilet bowl with tears, mascara, bruised knuckles, bruised esophagus, bad breath bringing up their food in despair on their bathroom floor in pieces. You definitely would not have expected it from me. 
So I think there's a lot of self-judgment and there's a lot of reinforcement from the outside world. Oh my God, you're so amazing. You're doing so well. And they usually will have jobs in helping people. This is not statistically significant. I don't even know if this is evidence-based, but what I've noticed is people with eating disorders are usually very compassionate people. They usually work in helping roles. They become psychologists, they become nurses, they become social workers, they become any type of helping role. You'll usually see it in that. So I think the judgment they place on themselves, like, oh my gosh, I've got this dirty little secret, prevents them from getting help. Now, in Australia, like many other places around the world, we have our own set of cultural beliefs and norms that impact how eating disorders are perceived. So, for example, tall poppy syndrome. This might discourage individuals from openly discussing their struggles due to fear of standing out or being judged. Like, oh, how can you have an eating disorder? You're tall, you're pretty, you're skinny, you come from a good family, you're a smart girl. It's not like you were abused. So it's crucial to recognize whether there is a culture around you that is stopping you from getting help. There's also a pervasive social belief that eating disorders are a choice or a matter of willpower, which is far from the truth. Eating disorders have nothing to do with willpower. So people with bulimia grapple with these complex psychological and biological factors that contribute to the condition. There's a lot of secrecy. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of fear of judgment. It's like there's a third person living in your house, right? You're constantly having to suss out the time of day, especially if you live with family. You have to be very secretive. When am I going to use the bathroom? When am I going to have this binge? And people start to plan binges. These are called anticipatory binges where they plan it. It's called opportunistic binge eating. I can talk about the different binges actually in another episode, but it just takes over your mind and your life because you're constantly planning. When am I going to do it? How am I going to do it? How am I going to get away from it? Are people going to walk in on me? You go to extreme lengths, especially if you're out in public and it gets complicated. It gets really complicated. People purge in the shower. The drains get blocked. People purge in person, public toilets, the noise, the sound, toilets getting clogged up. There is so much you need to think about. And this might be graphic and a bit hard to sort of envision, but I've had stories of people having bags of vomit around their house and family members finding it, bags in their car, having to carry these bags and the bags bursting. It's not pretty. So why would you want to tell anyone about it? Well, the first step to getting help is to acknowledge that you're not disgusting, you're not broken, and that there is a way out. You've got a mental health condition and we need to target it mentally. And on top of that, also living in a society where living expenses are so high, imagine that you're eating food and then you're just throwing it up and there's people starving on the other side of the world. It really does sound like not a selfish problem, but telling the wrong people could result in the wrong response. So this is why people keep secret about it. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Now I've told you a little bit about that. I'm going to talk about the myths of purging. So if you're someone who does purge, let this change the course of your life. Myth number one, purging is an effective weight loss strategy. It's not. And people will come at me on TikTok saying, I lost 15 pounds. It's not an effective or healthy method for weight loss. It can lead to serious health consequences, electrolyte imbalances, dehydration, and damage to vital organs. Now, the reason it's not effective is because as soon as you chew, calories are absorbed, right? And by the time you get around to purging your food, it's likely that a lot of your calories are absorbed. It's likely that you're not getting everything out. And this is why people who actually binge eat and purge have such fluctuations in their weight because your body is trying to work out what the hell is going on. And purging makes you bloated. Every time you're trying to throw up, you are disrupting your gut, your gut microbiome, all of that, your esophagus, and it gets bloated very often. And when you stuff up the gut lining, when you ruin your gut, it then becomes very challenging to digest food properly, even something like broccoli. And then what happens is when you have things like leaky gut, etc., you're not even getting the nutrients from the food. Number two, purging only involves vomiting. Myth. Purging can take many forms, including vomiting, excessive exercise, laxative use or fasting, enemas, etc. Myth number three, bulimia is just a phase and individuals will grow out of it. Fact. It's a serious mental health condition. It's not something that you can grow out of. In fact, it gets worse the more you don't get help for it. Myth number four, only young women experience bulimia. Fact, bulimia can affect any age group, gender or background. It's not exclusive to a particular demographic. I've worked with women in their 60s who have struggled with this and who've had eating disorders for 40 years or more and they overcame it. So it's always possible. Myth number five, purging is a choice. This one's a bit complex, but... It's a mental health condition and it can feel very impulsive. It can feel out of control. But yes, to some extent, you may have a choice. You can choose to delay it. You can choose to not engage in it. But in order to make that choice, you need access to your logical brain. And the issue is when people are purging, they're not in logical brain. They're in emotional brain. And when you're in emotional brain, your logical brain actually shuts down. So you can't access that. So making proper choices in that brain state is very challenging. Now we've gone through the myths, I'm going to talk about how to overcome bulimia nervosa. The first step is always get professional help. So whether that's with me or someone else, you need accountability and you need implementation and you need consistent momentum. Like I said, you need to check in with someone weekly for at least 20 weeks if you really want to overcome this. But there are some things you can do at home and some principles that can help. We address all of this in my food freedom program. And if you're ready to overcome this, just click the link below and we can have a chat as to whether this is suitable for you. The second thing you want to try to do is eat a variety and a flexible diet. The biggest reason people purge is because they are restricting. So they restrict what they eat. They eat very limited. They eat small amounts and they are absolutely starving And this is why they binge eat. Now, no, not everyone who purges binge eats, but in bulimia they do. So we're talking about bulimia here. So when you eat variety, 
you're less likely to binge on chocolate if you're having chocolate in your day-to-day. So try to include it every day or as often as you need. Practice eating socially. This is one of the best things that really helped me. When I first started to do exposure therapy with eating, it's very hard to do it on your own because you don't have that distraction and you don't have the barriers in place. When you're around other people and you're out in public, it's very hard to, to run away and purge. So go out and have a pizza rather than making it at home. Have it with people who know about your eating, people who can supervise you and help you delay and not engage in purging. So practice eating socially. Even just eating in front of other people is a huge problematic thing when it comes to eating disorders. So if you can eat in front of others, that's a really great step. Tip number four, take care not to avoid certain foods. Binge eating often happens when you avoid certain foods. So people will never touch bread or never touch dairy or never touch cookies. And then what happens is because you're avoiding that, that's what you're binge eating on. So incorporate it in your meals. And yes, initially, it might feel impossible. Initially, you might go on a bit of a food honeymoon, but I promise that it will taper out. Eat enough, right? So many people with eating disorders report they are hungry all the time. This is because you're likely to have messed up your hunger cues and we need to get them back. And for a while, you are going to have to eat more. And if you've just eaten and you're still hungry, eat again. Doesn't mean you need to binge eat. Doesn't mean you need to purge. You're allowed to be hungry after you've eaten. So stop judging yourself on that. Eat regularly at least every four hours. So one of the principles in food freedom is that you need to eat within a four-hour window. Regular eating is phase one. So try not to eat more than four hours apart and you'll notice your urges to binge dramatically decrease. Next tip, avoid strict, rigid and extreme dietary rules. Don't count calories. Don't follow rules about when to eat. I shouldn't eat after dark. I should eat carbs after training. Stop trying to eat less than other people. This is a huge one. People get triggered when they notice people around them are eating less. Remember, your body is unique and your needs are unique and different. So don't try to compare to others. Remember, you're on your own eating journey and what you eat may vary to other people, but it doesn't make it wrong. Don't compensate for food already eaten. So if you feel you've eaten too much, you don't need to compensate. Just remember the feeling of discomfort is going to subside. Feeling full is a normal and short-lived sensation. So if you are troubled by recurrent feelings of fullness, the key is to identify triggers. Maybe you're just not used to being full. Maybe you're not used to eating a normal amount. Maybe you're wearing tight clothing. Maybe you're eating a food you normally don't eat. I want you to target the trigger directly rather than the feeling because the feeling is going to subside. So the next time you feel overly full or you feel uncomfortable while you're doing the work, remind yourself this feeling is temporary and it will go away within an hour, half an hour. Remember, you've got to be your own biggest cheerleader in those moments. And going back to the strict dietary rules, do not debit your eating. So debit eating means eating less in advance of eating. So if you know you're going to go out on the weekend and you're going to drink alcohol and you're going to probably get a kebab at 12 in the morning, people will debit eat. So they won't eat during the day or they'll reduce what they eat the day before. So they've kind of got this surplus bank account of eating to use. Don't do this. 
Just eat regularly every day, even if you're going out. Keep it the same. If you need help with this, you know who to get in contact with. If it's me, if it's not me, I just really want you to get support for it because I know what it's like to live a life of not getting that help and support. And I don't want you to go through that because let me tell you what, when you're on the other side, life is pretty good. Life is pretty fun. It's amazing just knowing you can eat whatever you want without feeling guilty. Yesterday, I went out for an acai bowl for lunch and we went out for Mexican and had nachos with extra cheese and all that for dinner. I didn't have dessert, but not because I didn't, I just didn't feel like it. I didn't think, oh my gosh, I've eaten out twice today. I might as well make the most of it. It's Sunday. Tomorrow's a new day. It was like, no, I'm full and I'm going to go to bed now. So just to be able to live that life of freedom feels so good. I didn't I didn't even think about it when I woke up. I just got up, went on with my day, reflected on how fun the weekend was, and that was it. In summary, bulimia does not go away. Eating disorders do not resolve on their own, and the average person takes eight or more years to get help for it. Try not to be that person. If you need help, the links are below. Make sure you get it because you deserve it and you deserve to live a life free of food jail. I hope you have the most beautiful weekend and I noticed that we got a couple more ratings this week. So thank you so much for rating the podcast. I truly am grateful and I'm super motivated to keep bringing you amazing content. Take good care and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I am truly grateful for you being here. If you got something out of today's show, please take a moment to leave a rating or review. To access more resources or support, check out the show notes below. See you next time.